Welcome to the Nightmail Podcast, recorded in Felchville Village in Reading, Vermont. A new episode is released every couple of weeks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other platforms. There's also a link on the Town Library's website. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at nightmailpod at gmail.com. My name is Jerry. My co-host is Tony. We chat about this and that. We discuss matters of local interest, and we offer up simple amusements to pass the time. We've got some local news we do. Um, this evening. Some things happening. Yeah. In town. I've got the heading here is Citizens Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a name. We don't really have an official name, so I'll take it. <laughs> um, tell me about it. I was invited to a meeting of some minds about um, maybe three weeks or so ago, four weeks ago now. And it was myself and a handful of other individuals that wanted to open up the discussion about what we see as the, for lack of a better term, since this is the header of the meeting, the future of writing. Uh, there's some, some things that have occurred over the last couple of years, particularly around um, natural disasters, if you will, or natural happenings, the flooding that's occurred, the loss of businesses in town, um, a bit of a longer uh, sort of timeline to look back to, but things with the school, um, you know, at some point in recent past, we had some concerns around the school possibly being shuttered. Uh, and then local government itself and positions that are opening up this coming year. And so we thought it would be a good idea because uh, it's been hard to get together with other folks in town uh, over the last few years with mostly with COVID and, and the, the floods this year, there haven't been quite as many events in town as we've had in years past. So we said, what if we hold an event at the library, publicize it, have it open to the public and just get everybody who's interested in having kind of an open discussion about what they'd like to see, what they'd like to see changed, what their concerns are, just kind of get everybody in, in a room and talking about those things and have a bit of an open forum. There wasn't a real strict agenda other than the main point of the agenda was to open the floor up to everybody to sort of share what they were interested in discussing. And so we held that event here at the library. That was Saturday the 13th, January 13th at, uh, at 9 a.m. And we had a fairly good turnout, I would say. I personally, uh, I have learned over the years and years of playing shows and holding events to to have a, a f- set the bar low. This way you're never disappointed. Um, so there were some of the usual suspects showed up, the people that I knew would be there. Uh, and then there were some other faces that uh, I recognized, wouldn't say I w- was confident one way or the other if they would turn up if they were aware of the event. And then there were some people that I have never met before in my life um, that have lived in town for many number of years, uh, which was awesome because it gave me a chance to meet some new faces and and see, again, uh, folks outside of the usual suspects that do have a, a vested interest in seeing our town grow and, and thrive and, and become something more than what it, what it is, that there's some potential there as far as they're concerned. I... Uh, I sort of fell into the uh, and, and have volunteered half half did it 
because it made sense to sort of moderate the event. And, um, and yeah, we kicked things off. Unfortunately, we had some real rough weather that morning. So we held the meeting about 15 minutes or so before we actually started because we had a feeling there were some more people that were going to try to show up, and, and they did. So it was a good thing that we held it. And without you know, burning up a lot of time going through it sort of line by line, the, the general consensus was there was a few, uh, a few areas that we could consider priorities worth focusing on in helping to uh, cultivate a thriving town. Uh, our schools is always an area of concern, maybe not so much now as it may have been in the recent past. Our businesses, as I mentioned, is a big part of it. We did spend a decent amount of time talking about the wastewater and freshwater um, for the village. Uh, that is an area that definitely will need some focus and attention because in order for a new business to open or somebody to take over an existing piece of land or building and, and open up a business, you, you got to have water <laughs> you gotta, and you've got to have somewhere to flush to and you've got to have somewhere to, to draw from. Uh, so that's a big blocker in our ability to encourage more businesses into our town. Uh, affordable housing was another element of that uh, that we discussed, that we, we need a way to help draw more people to the area and have somewhere to live in an affordable fashion and not necessarily want to commit to a multi-acre, multi-family you know, home uh, that's not necessarily the most attainable way for everybody to come into our town. Uh, cell service and high-speed internet was brought up as well. Uh, that's a big piece of, you know, a lot of people, especially in the, the tech sector, that work from home without decent cell service or decent internet, uh, not just in tech, but, you know, other businesses, but there as well. You can't work if you don't have an internet connection or a strong one. And then uh, the sort of resiliency of town. So dealing with mitigating the the flooding issue and, and other weather events, that's been something that we've seen hit us pretty hard this year. So those are some of the prior priorities that folks that joined us felt worth spending some time on. We didn't necessarily try to solve for all of these things in the two hours that we were here, um, but it was good to start to put together a bit of a list of things we would like to focus on as a group of concerned citizens, for lack of a better term. Um, we then touched on what are some of the opportunities that exist that we could kind of double down on. Uh, we talked about the location. You know, Reading gets passed through quite often to get to a number of other destinations. So people have to come through and can see what's happening or what's not happening. So we've kind of got eyes on our town it's not like we're tucked away in some corner and, the, and there isn't any reason for people to come to Reading unless they are already planning on going to Reading. Uh, the people that exist or the people that live in our town, uh, there's a lot of folks that have a variety of different skills, talents, and things that they could offer to helping our town uh, become something more, something greater. Uh, really specific, the former keeper's restaurant uh up 106 that's obviously uh ripe for something to go in there and hopefully thrive and marketing uh there's a lot of opportunity for individuals and committees and other groups in town to do a better job to raise awareness for 
events and other opportunities in town. Uh, I, I spoke to that specifically in, in terms of uh, Reading Rec, that we, we don't do the best job that we could do in publicizing our events and what's going on and that there's room to improve there. And everybody kind of agreed that there is plenty of opportunity, not just for the rec, but for anything else that's happening to publicize a bit more and, and think of other avenues for making people in Reading and in the surrounding towns aware of what's going on. Uh, a couple of examples people gave were you know, ATV organizations, the Vast Clubs, the PTO. Um, not all of those are regularly tapped as a, a channel for distributing information around what's happening. Uh, and then we talked about, and I I'll totally admit I'm, I'm sort of scanning through some of the, the notes that were kept by Madeline, uh, Madeline Colty for this event. Uh, the roles of government and residents, how can we as residents support the town and work to benefit government and help our, our town government uh, accomplish what they need to tackle. So obviously just in general, working constructively with the local government is important. Uh, supporting local businesses and craftspeople, shop local. Uh, being advocates for the needs of our residents to local government. You know, there may be sectors of our community or groups within our community that aren't able to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Advocate for themselves, I guess. So let's try to be cognizant of what the needs of others are. Uh, we talked about looking into examples of other towns in our state that have accomplished some of the things that we're looking to and being aware and cognizant of the differences between our town and those towns that may have allowed them to achieve those goals but also at the same time identify there are certain steps that were taken that helped that town accomplish that thing, whatever it may be. How can we replicate their process or how can we learn from that while bearing in mind that no two towns are necessarily alike in our state. Uh, organizing more events, dances, dinners, 4th of July, old home day, uh, the parade, you know, a lot of those things have gone by the wayside over the last five to 10 years what can we do to start to bring those back? Uh, volunteer efforts uh, always exist in fire rescue, uh, weatherization, the food shelf. And then after kind of beating all these things up a little bit in a, in a, in a crowd, and I'll, I'll speak to, I'll pull away from the notes in a moment here. Uh, but we, we decided, okay, what are our, what are the actual action items that we can take away from this? So obviously attending not just select board meetings, but, all of the town committee meetings whenever possible. Uh, just chat with folks that are on the other committees and other committees and learn from their efforts uh, what we can do to further benefit the town. Uh, what, think about what else we can do to support the creative economy that exists in town. The, the craft fair and some of the events that the greenhouse has been holding are evidence of the fact that there's a, there's a lot of creative individuals in our area that you don't really hear from or know about until those craft fairs and such kind of spring up. So what can we do to help, uh, help support them in the days between those handful of events every year? Uh, yeah, just more around marketing, you know, promote things, word of mouth from porch forum, Facebook, start thinking about other ways that we can start pushing things out. And, and I'll, I'll just kind of skip it here. And then we decided we're going to hold a, another event to kind of keep the ball rolling here because one thing 
that I know I've been aware of and others are aware of as well is there have been sort of these uh, efforts by people in town in the past few years where there's kind of a, a, a big rush of momentum to get something going. And then for whatever reason, it seems to peter out. And so there is nothing sustainable. There's no, there's not a sustainable group effort that occurs. So we said, all right, before everybody leaves this room today, let's pick the next day and date that we're going to do this and get together again. And, and some people have some action items that they're going to come back with resources and ideas on. Um, so Saturday, February 10th is the next one of those events. Uh, where it's going to be held is, is still TBD. We're torn between the library and town hall. Obviously the library is a cozy sort of warm and inviting setting. It's nice to be in here. Uh, however, parking can be a bit of a struggle, particularly this time of year when there's a lot of snow on the ground, your options are a little bit more limited and some people may not be comfortable parking up at town hall and walking down to the library. Maybe not the worst concern based on the turnout we had on a terrible weather day. It was still pretty good, but we could have it at town hall. Uh, however, not as warm and inviting of a space feels a little bit sterile, a little bit cold. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to figure that out. And what time? Uh, 9 to 11 a.m., same as this past Saturday. And the goal is to just keep spreading the word about that next event, and let's get more the same and and more people to the next one. And once you decide on a location, where will that be advertised? Front Porch Forum, probably Facebook this time. I don't think the last one was on Facebook at all. Uh, We'll also have physical signs up at the greenhouse. I don't remember if we put anything at Town Hall, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's worth putting something up at Town Hall as well on a a bulletin board there uh i don't think there's any other location that we would normally advertise at so and everyone who's interested is invited anyone and everyone is invited yeah i mean Mm -hmm. we had we had had people that we didn't have anybody that uh well i'll you were there yes i mean you were there by way of you had to be here for the second hour but not that I think you wouldn't have wanted to. I would have come anyway. Exactly. You don't. You're not a resident of, of Reading itself, but you were there. I don't think we had anybody else that wasn't a partial or part time or full time resident. But we did have a mixture of residents and non residents. People that spend part of their time. In and it seemed time. to me that there was a mixture as well of folks who had been here for a long time and folks who had moved here in the last two to five years. Yeah. Am I accurate in that, that assessment? Accurate, uh, which I appreciated greatly because I feel like, at, in terms of the, I want to be sensitive to how I say this. In terms of the individuals that typically express a desire for more active efforts in supporting our town and community and striving for something even more than what exists today. It's usually a similar group in terms of length of residency, backgrounds, things like that. It feels like it's, you can kind of assume who's going to be involved with that. This time was the first time to my awareness. Who, who, wait a minute. Who, who is involved? Who, who, what aren't you saying? Which group is more involved in, in that scenario that well, you laid let, out? Let me, the, the newer comers or the old timers? Yeah, I, I think, no, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to take that back 
or I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to clarify. I don't, I don't think it is limited to a certain length of tenure of living in town. Um, because now that I think about some of the folks, some of them haven't been here for a while. What I will say instead is that there, there were people that showed up to this event that have been here for quite a while and I've never seen them uh, active necessarily in town events, local government, things like that. So I'll, I'll kind of, I guess, leave it at that. That yeah, that's it, fair. It was yeah. nice to see that, but I, I, I realize I'm speaking a bit out of turn. In, in well, I'm just asking for your assuming. impression. That's all. Yeah, I, I think I assume it's always the sort of short to medium term residence in terms of length of time. But I take that back as, as if I really think about specific individuals. There are some people that have lived here, I think twenty, thirty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what I have not seen often. But this and this is obviously just my own experience. You certainly don't get a lot of like lifers born and raised here that seem to be as involved. And take that as you will. Uh, but I, I think there's this is the start of something. I think we're gonna. One of the things we talked about that I don't know is that we're in the notes that I was just sort of flying through here. Uh, this may have been some communications we had after the event. Was a suggestion to make sure we don't forget to make efforts to include those individuals that may still not have had any awareness that this event took place. Uh, that there are folks that aren't as connected digitally that don't make their way into town very often to even see signage, to think about the outreach to those folks and what we can do to include them and their perspective. And, you know, there are longtime residents that probably do have a vested interest in how much our community continues to thrive, but for a variety of reasons, don't speak up or aren't able to speak up or aren't able to be as present. So what can we do to be more inclusive in terms of, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that I want to pause here while we're talking about old timers versus newcomers, um, folks who are involved and folks who aren't, um, you know, I've been here a couple of decades as a librarian and I've, got to know a lot of the old timers, you know, prior to their dying off, people like Jim Hass and people like Bessie and Cyril Hodgman. And, you know, I could name 10 or 15 others, uh, Cornelius Anderson, Laura Griggs. Um, And so there's something to what you say, but I think it's also missing a little bit of context Mm -hmm. because I know in getting to know all of those folks who were in their you know, 70s and 80s when I got to know them. All of those folks, when they were in their 30s and 40s and 50s, -hmm. they were heavily involved in the town when their kids were growing up. They were on the PTO. They were making hot lunches for the school. They were serving as assistant town clerk, and they were putting on the suppers and the dances and the helping out with old home day and all the rest of it. And... You know, after doing that for 15, 20 years, you get burnt out. They got older, they got, you know, less energy, you know, they're ready to move on, ready for the next group to come up behind them. So I think there is something to what you say in that you look around at some of the old timers who might only be in their, you know, uh, early 60s, let's say, or mid to late 60s, and you say, 
they don't seem as interested in propelling the town forward. But I would also, I, and I'm not denying that that is the case. For some. Uh, for some. All, but yeah, but for I'm some. also saying, you know, um, we need to show a little bit of grace in terms of, right. you know, what was that person doing 20 years ago Absolutely. before we even got here? No, you I, know? I, I certainly... Uh, I certainly recognize that there's not an expectation for those individuals to take up the mantle again in that regard. I, I, you know, I've only been here for six years now, so I don't have a lot of firsthand experience, but the impression I get is exactly what you said, that there was a subset of individuals in town that owned and managed and made these events happen and then they, for a variety of reasons, stopped, whatever the reason may be. And the expectation and the assumption would be that the sort of next generation would come in behind them and, and take over. And somewhere along the lines, or maybe, you know, it wasn't obviously all at once, but that, that started to peter out. And there seemed to be less of the new breed kind of coming in and, and picking up the pieces and there's, I'm sure, hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, there's tens of reasons as to why that occurred. And, and there's a lot of uh, things that influence that happening. And some of those are related to elements that I think, and again, this is a fairly uneducated opinion, but I think some of the reason why we don't have enough People is really the resource we're focused on. The reason why we don't have enough people who are able to start something up again at this point, because it's not a matter of continuation. A lot of these happenings and businesses and all these things we're talking about have sort of floundered out and have to kind of get restarted. There are other influencers, not people, but things that have occurred economically in, in, in our town, in our state, in our culture that have led to that not happening. And so I think part of what we've been, we were trying to address at this event was to also think about that. For example, you know, without, without the sort of freshwater, wastewater, it's really hard to bring in more businesses. It's really hard to bring in more businesses if we don't have, if we can't identify that there's even a market to, to sell to if you want to open a business. Uh, but you can't bring people into town to sell things to if you don't have anywhere for them to live. And we don't have anywhere for them to live without affordable housing. How can you have affordable housing if you can't even afford to install a septic system or subdivide a plot of land into something smaller than whatever our town plan or whatever says now, six acres or something like that. So there's all of these things that when you get down to it, you're like, well, if if all of this means that we are sort of in a fixed state of who lives here, and everybody's exhausted, then how are you ever going to encourage sort of new blood to come in to help take over? Yeah. Or to feel like there's an opportunity to prove that the event or the business or whatever the thing is will be a success because there's enough of an audience for it. Yeah. And I think the what I'm getting at here is the changes that may need to be made that would lead to that positive direction oftentimes contradict what those people that used to handle all of those events and other things, what they consider a priority right now in their lives, whether it's tax related, whether it's 
what their views are on Zoning. who should live where and how and why, whether it's a, an acceptable view or not. Um, that's where I think we run into trouble yeah. with those individuals. It's not that makes to, sense. It's not to say that you don't want those things, but it's it's a case of well, if you still want to see those things, you can't operate under the assumption that writing today is the same as it was forty years ago. Things have changed, and if we want to continue these things, we have to change with it to accommodate and allow for it to thrive. Conditions have changed on the ground, and we have to adapt exactly in ways that may not jibe with the traditional way of running the town or doing this or that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the, um, sometimes the friction happens. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get through that without? (laughs) That's, that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's helping. And how do you think we're doing with that? I think it's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I think I think if we can keep this level of engagement with a larger and larger audience going, we're setting the stage for a, I don't want to use the term safe space, but I will, for there to be more opportunities for people with different opinions in town to gather in an environment where there can be constructive conversation and we can really talk about how everybody views the pros and cons of different elements of what we want to see happen uh, to help change minds a little bit. And and by change minds, I mean, we're not going to try to uh, seduce somebody to go along with an idea necessarily, but to at least help them see that, you know, you may, you may, as an individual, may not be all for a certain idea because you only see the downside of A, B, and C. But maybe you weren't given the, all of the right information to consider medium and long-term effects of D, E, and F. And once that's been presented to you and you have an opportunity to discuss it a little bit, maybe debate it without leaving the event and feeling like you all hate each other, um, that might plant the seed of, well, you know what? Sure, it might. It might be you know a bit crummy that our taxes are going to go up a little bit, but the reality is if our taxes go up because we're going to move forward with these initiatives, maybe in the medium to long term, it avoids other increases because we didn't take action, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. I think for me, my own personal goal for this is exactly that. I want to have an environment where people with different views, different backgrounds, different skills and resources and talents can come into a space and have a conversation that's not anonymous posts on, you know, from porch forum or Facebook. And it isn't uh, a one-sided conversation where we're attacking each other or where we feel like if we have a disagreement, if we're having a disagreement with somebody uh, that we can't continue to have the same relationship that we had prior to that disagreement. There's obviously exceptions to that. And this is what I was starting to touch on with you before we started recording, which is nowadays it generally does feel like if, if you disagree with somebody uh, on something, it's really hard to still maintain the relationship you had with that person the same way. It seems like nowadays more and more disagreements lead to uh, painting a picture of, well, this but this person doesn't agree with me. They're a terrible human being altogether. 
And I think there are certain topics where that may be the case. Uh, that's an acceptable way to sort of leave the conversation. But I, I think what we're seeing is uh, too broad of a range of topics that are discussed and agreed or disagreed upon lead to that outcome. And it's it's unfortunate. And I think we've seen that a bit in our town over the last few years with how we engage with each other, with how we engage with town government, that we forget that we are all still human beings. And I think for the most part, nobody is actively going out of their way to cause detriment or harm to any one person or group of individuals or the, the, the town itself. I don't think anybody thinks they are actively making an effort to do that. Uh, but the way some people engage with each other and engage with local government and committees, from what I've seen, it feels like that's the viewpoint sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that some people are just like, yeah, what, what can we do to really crush Reading and just wipe it off the map and, you know, hope that everybody ages out and then there's no, there's no more Reading. That's what I want to see. I don't think anybody's trying to do that. Uh, no. But the way I've seen some people communicate to each other, it seems like that's how, how they think some, some people are thinking. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm going to be 59 in a couple of days, and and um, it's just been my observation that I think our local politics has become a reflection of our national politics mm-hmm. in many cases. And it's some, and the reason I mentioned my age is because this, as far as I'm concerned, is something relatively new in my lifetime, and I'm not going to dump on Republicans or Democrats or any of the candidates on the left or the right as far as the national uh, races go. But I will say that since it seemed like 2016 Mm. was the turning point, I think something broke uh, after that election. I think it broke on the Republican side and it broke on the the Democratic side. And... uh, I think since then, we've all been demonizing one another almost nonstop. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if you, uh, if you don't agree with all of my views the exact same way, if we're not in 100% lockstep with each other, then we are mortal enemies. There is yeah. no... There's no gray area anymore. It's very much this great divide that's widening and widening, and it's yeah, and it's, it's extreme tr- views on either side, and it's trickling. It's it's trickled down into our, our our local politics, into our local relations with folks that we disagree with, you know. And I think part of it is you know folks on the right uh, saying that the you know the left doesn't you know hates America and just you know just wants to let everybody in and throw the constitution out and all the rest of the things that are being yes. said you know from uh, the right rhetoric and the people on the yeah. left you know uh, Donald Trump is Hitler and you know uh, everyone's a fascist and a Nazi and it's just like where the hell do you go from there uh-huh. i mean yeah. <laughs> you're already at 11 <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah. and we've seen that uh, pretty much nonstop for seven years now. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think it's, I, I don't think it's great. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's great for us. Um, and I don't know how we get out. And, and the thing is, with the advent of cable television and with, uh, you know, the internet and with... 24-hour news cycle. And- but now you can live in your own little bubble, mm-hmm. whether you're on the left or you're on the right. Yeah. You can live in a complete silo. Yeah. And only hear voices that reinforce everything that you think, and the echo chamber, right? And yeah. ne- and never have to engage with someone if you don't want to, yeah. who who thinks differently than you, and have to sort of navigate that in yeah. terms of a relationship. How, how do you ha- how to have a civil discourse, right, with someone that you disagree yeah. with, who may be a hell of a guy Mm -hmm. or a hell of a gal, but you just happen to have this disagreement. So I think all of that, I don't think this is anything, you know, earth shattering in terms of it's, you know, (laughs) this epiphany that I've had. I think we all sort of are aware that this is in the water and, and has been going on for a long while. And listen, we've got an election coming up in a few months. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to ratchet up even more if that's possible, the closer that we get. You know, are you referring to our town or I'm or talking nation, about the, I'm talking about the national election right. that's coming up in November, less than a year from now, right. and um, but the primaries happening now, basically. Yeah, and and um, so how do we how do we how do we make a change and sort of escape from that death spiral? Uh, it is, I think part of it is the, I know this is said quite often, but it's the, was it think globally, act locally. I think that's part of it. At least that's how I feel is, you know, what, what can I as an individual do to encourage changing how we interact with each other when it comes to just disagreements in general, whether it's about politics or, or anything else, uh, what can I do to maintain an open mind and have a civil conversation with somebody and possibly disagree? And depending on, on what the subject is, uh, continue to maintain a relationship and realize that we are neighbors. What can I do to be involved with helping to facilitate that at a larger scale in town? That's, that's how I view it. And, and hopefully the more, that we encourage that, the more we can pass that way of thinking and interacting onto our children. So even if our generations are doomed to interact with each other on a national level this way, maybe just maybe the next generation doesn't have to see that because they can grow up in an environment here where they see it can be different or, or we can actually shape minds still and teach an old dog some new tricks about how to, Think about interacting with others when we're talking about national politics and presidential candidates and things like that. I'm not Mm. saying that we should excuse all behavior uh, in the interest of maintaining civility. uh, But I think that there's certainly there's a lot of steps in between where we're at now uh, and where we where the sort of idealized place to be is. Let's try to get somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. I, th- I may have mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning uh, Tangle? again. No, not Tangle, although okay. that's that's certainly worth mentioning. Yeah. But um, the newsletter that uh, sort of uh, grapples with these issues that we're talking about now. But when I was 
a, a kid in the 70s, a couple of shows come to mind. One was the Dick Cavett show, a talk show hosted by Dick Cavett. Um, and he had all kinds of people on there from far left to far right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes they'd be on together and right. they'd all be sort of talking over these issues. And uh, the crowd, the folks in the audience would be split on these issues. But were they talking over the issues or were they talking over each other about the issues? No, they were, for the most part, obviously, sometimes it got heated. And there were a couple of folks who walked out or Mm -hmm. threw a shoe or whatever, you know? (laughs) I mean, none of that. Those are timeless behaviors. Yeah, that's, uh, but... Surprise! Uh, for most of the time, uh, they were having a civil, to use your word, conversation. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they might agree to disagree. Right. But um, oftentimes, as a viewer, you would learn something about either side that mm-hmm. you didn't know before. Or your own mind might be um, changed based on something that you heard from someone that you didn't think you agreed with going in. You know, anything might happen. And the other show that was like that, so Dick Cavett, I would say definitely uh, probably on the left uh, politically. Um, William Buckley, definitely on the right politically. Uh, His show, uh, I can't think of it now. What's the name of his show? The Firing Line was the name of the show. And he had that show for decades, beginning, I think, in the mid-60s, maybe. And he, too, even though he was a conservative, um, he would often have Black Panthers on his show. Mm -hmm. He would have uh, beat poets on his show, hippies on his show, Vietnam uh, protesters on his show, even though he was on the other side of all of those issues. Right, with the intention to actually give them an avenue to have a discussion, not to bring them on and undermine them or embarrass them. No, this is not like one of those CNN panels where everybody in the (laughs) different, you know, Brady Bunch windows are all screaming at each other. Yeah. This was... You know, he was giving them the opportunity. They were sitting like yeah. you and I are sitting across from one another, and they were having a conversation. And he was listening to the Black Panther, mm-hmm. and then the Black Panther would listen to him, and right. then they'd go. You know, he'd respond to the response that he got from him, and then they'd yeah. talk through a host of issues like that. And the conversation, even if you just look at some of those old clips on, you can look at them on YouTube. Some of those conversations still hold up because mm-hmm. they're so fascinating and and they really give insight into uh, some of the issues that were prevalent at the time. And, and these folks are so articulate, you know, it's not just like screaming you're a Nazi yeah. or you're a commie or but whatever. But there also wasn't a, like a, a hidden agenda to having them on. The goal wasn't to have them on to cut them down and undermine their viewpoint. No. It was to... Have a debate. Have a discussion. Yeah. Have a debate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have a debate. Have a civil debate. Right. A, a debate in the finest sense of that word. You know, not a screaming match. Right. And I think we've gotten so far away from that uh, for the most part these days. And um, well, and also probably again, you've got more experience watching these things than that. But two individuals, two or more individuals, having a debate for the uh, the primary benefit of of the debating parties, individuals that may have happened to have an audience 
as opposed to a debate where neither party is trying to understand each other or educate the other, but instead... Or open to learning anything. But but instead using it as an excuse to just uh, sway their own audience. Right. Where like, it didn't matter who I was talking to. I'm really talking to all the people watching or listening. Right. It seemed like it was probably more instead of like, no, this is you and I. And there happens to be an audience. And I'm but trying that wasn't the important part. And I'm trying to persuade you of, right. of my uh, point of view. And right. you're trying to persuade me. And you're listening to my arguments uh, for or against whatever. And then you're coming up with counter arguments. Have you thought of this? Or, well, that doesn't hold up because of, you know, X, Y, or Z. Right. And then it was that sort of a counter. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's inspiring to mm-hmm. me. I mean, what the hell are we here for? Absolutely. You know, I don't yeah. know everything. Exactly. I, 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 I've got, I feel a certain way about this, that, or the other thing. And I feel like I'm right. But I also know in my heart of hearts, I might be wrong. <laughs> right. So right. I'm fairly confident in what I believe, but I'm open to being persuaded to think differently because I want to get closer to the truth right. of the matter. Or, or and part of it for me also though, is it's not just, there may be, there may be things that I feel steadfast in my beliefs, but I'm often also curious to understand why somebody may feel differently. What are the factors that influence them in their lives to come to a different conclusion about what they value and what they hold to be true and what they believe in. Because while I may not be able to change your mind, are there steps that I can take or, or actions I can do that may influence those factors for somebody else? Yeah. You know, that if, you know, if, if I don't agree with your viewpoint, but I would love to help somebody else, I say this sounds maybe more underhanded than I intended to. But, you know, if there are things that influence your decision and I think your decision and your thought is wrong on it, well, if I want to make change happen, I may not change your mind, but can I can I have an, an effect on the world or society or your, your local or state government or whatever it may be to mitigate those circumstances for the next person and maybe help them see things a different way? Mm-hmm. For better or worse. Obviously, it depends on what subject we're talking about, but... That, yeah. I think that's always a, a curious thing to understand is what led somebody to think this way. Yeah. Not just how do I force them to think differently about it now. You know, you said earlier about 10 or 15 minutes ago, you said something about, well, depending on the topic or there might be some topics. You didn't say this. I'm putting words in your mouth. Yeah. But the idea yeah. that it might be off limits or it might be this, you know, the science is settled or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you didn't say any of that, but that was sort of the general oh, yeah, idea. That was the gist. Okay. Sure. So, but... Um, I don't know of any topics like that. I don't know of any topics like that. Uh, I think that oftentimes, I won't say always, mm-hmm. and, and and yes, I so you, you sort of grimaced a little bit, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take back part of what I said. Okay. Okay. So you could say the Earth is round, right? <laughs> Not flat, right? Right. Pretty much settled science. Right. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay, but. I, I want to say probably the vast majority of, let's say, uh, social issues, Mm -hmm. 
for example. Right. Um, and, and maybe not all of them, but many of them, I would say, are still open for debate. Because Absolutely. there are many people on all sides of pretty much any issue that you can, you can um, bring up, right? right? So um, what I've noticed over the last, let's say, five years is that there are folks, there are some folks who try to shut down the conversation mm-hmm. by saying, I don't want to have that conversation. Right. Um, that's hate speech. Mm-hmm. Or that's violence. You're committing violence right now to, with the words that you're saying, that sort of right. thing. Um, that often seems to me more... Um, Detrimental? More of a device to shut down debate. If you feel so confident about what you believe, you shouldn't have any right, back it up, problem support it. supporting it with evidence and trying to persuade me mm-hmm. with your evidence and with your arguments to come over to your side. I think people are afraid to say, I don't know. I think people are afraid to admit I don't know. I feel a certain way. I don't have a whole hell of a lot that can support it. It's just an emotional reaction that I feel this way. Mm. But then it stops there. I I think it's a laziness on some people's part to not be willing to say, I don't know, but let me actually invest some time in, I hate to say doing my own research, but doing my own research or hearing other opinions or, or further pursuing my my opinion and see if there's things that I can use to support the way I feel about it. And instead it's easier to say, I don't want to have this conversation because what it really means is I, I can't do a thorough job of backing up why I feel this way. And I doubt myself. So I don't dare show weakness. Mm-hmm. So let's just squash it entirely. Mm-hmm. I, and I would say, you know, without dump, jumping into specific topics. Yeah, and we don't have to. There if, are, I would say there probably are a few topics that my gut reaction is to to say that I feel a certain way about it, but I may not be able to debate it. That I would easily say I'll probably lose in a debate, but right now I just feel emotionally a certain way about but it. But what if I said to you about whatever, let's just yeah. call it topic X. Yeah. What if I, you said, you tell me that you feel that way. What if I said, okay, um, I respect that, but I also have come across mm-hmm. some evidence that might suggest something different. Yeah. Would you be open to looking at it? Yes. I, I'd be open to looking at it with no presumption of agreeing with it or disagreeing with it or, or you know, obviously there's always the, you know, you want to look into the sources and understand what bias has influenced that, that result and all of those things. There's so many factors you know, surveys are a great example of you can take any data set and spin it to tell exactly what you want. You know, Gartner is great at that. That's why they're the number one uh, sort of company that's doing those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but I think going back to what you said earlier, like when you said nobody wants to see the town of Reading go up and. <laughs> puff of smoke <laughs> you know everybody everybody's got his reasons right right um, um i think that's a famous quote actually from uh, who the hell said that 
I forget who said it, but he's, it was something like the tragedy of life is everybody has his reasons. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and there's something to that, right? So even on, certainly there are folks out there who are just hateful, nasty, mm-hmm. brutish, um, you know, pieces of shit, you know. But that's not the vast majority of people, no. right? Yeah. I mean, and there are a lot of good people on all, all across the political spectrum, for example, right. who believe all manner of things. And it just seems silly to demonize any of those people anywhere along the line, yeah. whether it's all the way left or all the way right or in the middle, wherever, just because you don't happen to agree with them, Right. And I think that's, going back to our original conversation about Reading, I think that's sort of what's trickled down into the local politics mm-hmm. is, and you said it, you know, if, if, if you don't agree with me, you're a piece of <laughs> filth <laughs> and don't deserve to live. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. and... and uh, well, and also separating people's personal and professional lives. There's also that element, too. Yeah. And part of it for me is, and I I mean, maybe you can speak to this as well. Part of it for me is I have people in my family and extended family who are, you know, politically are all over the place. Yeah. And whom I love dearly, these people, you know. Um, And so we don't agree on this, that, or the other thing. And some of these issues are very important, you know, Mm -hmm. very like serious issues, life and death issues. Right. But that doesn't mean that I don't love, you know, whoever it is, whether right. it's my sister or my aunt Mildred or whoever the hell. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm, yeah. I'm protecting Aunt Mildred because she's a, <laughs> but she's a bit of a snowflake. It's a different name. <laughs> but anyway, you yeah, get the idea. I do. So I don't know. I've I've just found that I've had to navigate those waters for most of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's relatively, I'll just say common. It's not always easy, but it's, it's common for me to have to do that. And so it's, it's sort of startling to me to see what's happened in the last seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, where the hell are we going to go if this keeps up? It's, it, we're going to... Yeah. You implode. know, if half the country hits yeah. the other half of the country. There's there's a, a term for that. It's a civil war. Right. Yeah. Right. It may okay. look different than it did, you know, a few hundred years ago. Uh, you know, and the way it the way it sort of plays out may be quite a bit different. But, you know, fundamentally, that's that's what happened. Yeah. So. Well, um, I, I hope this I hope this group is successful. I mean. What what is if you had to boil it down to one or two uh, concerns that you have about the town as someone who lives here for five years? I mean, what why do you think um, this group is necessary? Why can't we just go on as before? You know, uh, West Windsor doesn't have a citizens brigade; they're just sort of sure. poking along, and uh, you know, whatever. Some people are concerned about this, and some people are concerned about that, and some people just want to be left alone and. I would, this is not very well thought out, but my first reaction of giving it 13 seconds of thought is what will likely happen is the town will kind of age out of itself. 
that the the population will dwindle dwindle uh, f- in terms of we'll have more people exiting, whether it's sh- you know shedding their mortal coil or just moving out of the the area uh, and less moving in, less being born into the area, and we'll also probably see. Uh, without allowing for sort of subdividing properties a bit more, we'll see larger chunks kind of being scooped up. So that will effectively reduce the count of individuals in the town. Uh, and so it'll, I think it'll just diminish and diminish and until it's, you know, a fraction of the size in terms of population, probably no businesses. It, it'll just be a place that most people drive through and don't think twice about. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happens, that's when you see the school get closed at some point because everybody gets shifted to the other school. So you lose your school. That's another attractor to the area. That's gone now. Um, I mean, I don't know what the, the end result really looks like. I guess I'm not, I've never been that invested in the past in town politics uh, across our country to see, you know, what happens to a town that kind of fails itself for lack of a better term, you know, what is, what is the end game? What does the end result look like? But I don't think it's anything anybody wants to see with maybe a very small percentage of individuals that that is an idyllic state for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm just wondering as we sort of begin to close on this subject, it, um, what what would be a success? I mean, what would be what does success look like? I mean, w- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think s- like what are you hoping for? Where you if if we got there, you'd say, okay, now we're humming. I don't think as any sort of a collective group we have yet uh, defined success, and defining success is important because if you don't define success, you never achieve it. Success is only something you can feel. uh, And if you don't know what you're striving for, then you can never check that box and say, we did that thing. Mm -hmm. So I think defining success is important and defining it in meaningful, granular, you know, small, what is it? Smart goals. I forget what the SMART stands for uh, all of them, but you know, thinking about it that way of what are the things that are achievable? And what are the successes we can use to continue to propel ourselves forward? So we haven't really done that yet. What I will say, though, my own short-term personal goal out of all this was to just get as many people into a room aligned to the same, in the same direction of uh, improving, which is tough because everybody may have a different vision of what improvement or uh, success looks like. But at least just getting people into a place and having conversations about yeah. it and getting something going rather than doing nothing and being stagnant. Mm-hmm. For me, if we can get that going beyond just the one event this past Saturday and have it become sort of a regular thing that occurs, think then it becomes something bigger than just niche groups of individuals getting together and having conversations and nothing coming out of it or just showing up at select board meetings and feeling like you're, you know, banging your head against the wall and nothing is happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a way to 
to combine all of those efforts and that that what effectively is a positive atmosphere and keep it going and sustain that. I think once you've got the energy and the motivation, then the sky's the limit. But if you don't have that to begin with, no one individual is going to come in here and and turn things around uh, unless somebody's got a blank check that they're going to write. You know, uh, that's really the only unrealistic yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah. I want to say something about the select board meeting. I was at the last select board mm-hmm. meeting. I sat next to you. Yeah. And um, I was, you talked a minute ago about, and you were just, you know, um, giving an example, not right. necessarily a, Specific specific example, just yeah. a, an an example of an example. <laughs> of, but you said something about going to the select board and and feeling like you're not able to make progress there, whatever you said. And um, I I was impressed uh, with the select board members at the last select board meeting. Mm-hmm. This this last one a couple of weeks ago, and. Um, you know they've taken some heat the last few months, and um, but I thought that they handled the town business that came up during this last meeting uh, in a thoughtful, thorough uh, way, and um, I was. And they were getting a little bit of heat even during this past meeting from folks in the crowd, uh, a couple of folks in the crowd on just a couple of issues. Right. For the most part, it was a very civil meeting with lots of conversation going back and forth. But there were a couple of times it got a little bit heated. And um, I thought that the select board members handled the, those exchanges well. And uh, they never, their f- feathers never got ruffled. And I know that that has happened in the, in right. the past. Right. Um, and that's specifically why I want to pay them a compliment now concerning the last select board meeting, because I didn't see any of that during this last mm-hmm. meeting. So I know Gordy is leaving. Right. Uh, he says he's leaving at the end of his term in March. And so there'll be an open slot. And I know that there's some talk about, um, you know, somebody. Is anyone interested in filling that slot? And people are excited about what might come next. Right. But um, anyway, I just just wanted to say that little bit about this. What was your impression? And similar, uh, similar to you, I think it was the subjects that were discussed were handled more diplomatically than they have been in the past or more civilly. One thing uh, it's crossed my mind and is is certainly now at the forefront based on what you're just saying that I think I'm trying to come to terms with is the idea of do we, do we think about, do I think about, do we as townsfolk think about engaging with the select board where the select board is a single entity or do we think about the select board as a three individuals uh, that obviously uh, in certain regards have to have a majority agreement on something to, to proceed. If I personally choose to view the select board as a single unit that governs itself in a way and, and comes to its own conclusions uh, in a manner that is public, then I agree with you. 
if I view the select board as three individuals, uh, I would disagree with you because, and I want to be careful with this because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I don't think. No, there's no need to. No, there's no need to do that. You can. Yeah, I I think. You can say what you think in a way that doesn't do that. Yeah, particularly around the, um, the Declaration of Inclusion. I think it was very obvious that Bob Hartnett owned that entire process. So when it comes to that specific matter, I think what I would, where I, the way I would agree with you is I think Robert Allen and Gordy allowed Bob Hartnett to own those elements of the conversation and allowed it to proceed the way it did, mm-hmm. which did go well, yeah. particularly compared to the past meetings. I agree with you, but I will also say in my experience, mm-hmm. uh, having served under a board of trustees, you know, all these years yeah. as the librarian, it's not unusual. Sure. And, there and are, you know, some some trustee or select board member or whoever it may be, maybe uh, feel a, um, a need based on what's coming from the public or based on his own or her own personal interest in pursuing some item and the rest of the, uh, you know, board says, have at it. it. I don't. And that's okay. I'm actually, I'm okay with that. The way I look at it is it was nobody's job to change the Bob's or Gordy's mind about how they feel about something. The purpose was to, act in the benefit of the town. And did we did we do that? Do I feel that's what happened? Yeah, I would say so. Whether that was entirely through the efforts of only one individual of the select board, yeah, that doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I don't really care. I mostly don't care about what any of those three individuals' personal views are. What I care about is their ability to consider the entire town and hear what everybody has to say and take action that seems to be in the best interest of the town. Whether that's in alignment with their personal views or not doesn't matter. You know, Bob Hartnett may have a, a certain viewpoint on something. And if he's the only person of our 600 odd citizens in town who feels that way, if he's capable of hearing what everybody else has to say and decide in their favor on something, then he's doing his job. Mm-hmm. He may or may not decide to align what he's considering with his own personal views. And I think he does a very good job of sharing that level of detail when it's necessary, or you don't always, you don't always know that when you're hearing what uh, Robert Allen and Gordy have to say. But uh, I think that's the most important part, I guess is what I'm getting at. And so that's, that's my point of, if we think of them as a functioning unit, I think they did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to think about them as three individuals and did we, did we win the majority or not? That doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, that's not the way a board works, right? Right. right. A board is a unit. Exactly. You know, exactly. it is not the individual members. It right. is, um, and I have to think about my board. I have a, f- a five-member board, <laughs> right. right? Right. And, um, you know, just imagine if one or the other or the other was coming in saying, hey, Tony, I need you to do this as opposed to that. Or, and then somebody, one of the others comes in and yeah. says, hey, Tony. Five different I, bosses. Yeah, five different. I don't have five different bosses. Right. I have. And, you know, over the years, depending on who's on the board, we've had to have that discussion because it doesn't lead to good results. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, where I 
answer to the board. I yep. don't answer to trustee X or trustee Y. Right. And and I say that to say that that's the way the, the rec board probably mm-hmm. works. That's the way the select board works. So I think you do have to think of them as a unit. Right. So as a unit, they came through with the result that you wanted. Sure. So, yeah. you know, and um, I think what... Putting all of that aside, what impressed me the most during this last meeting was um, the way that they have been dealing with all of the, you know, just those sort of mundane issues about culverts and roads and flooding and, you know, this grant is available and that, you know, FEMA and all the rest of it. I was, by the end of the select board meeting, I was uh, sort of breathing a sigh of relief that these three fellas um, were in charge of making sure that all of that stuff, whatever needs to happen, happens. Because yeah. um, they seem knowledgeable and they seem um, on the ball. And as far as those issues are concerned, there's certainly no doubt that they're always trying to do what's in the best interest of the town. And so I think all of these other issues... Uh, you were talking about the Declaration of Inclusion and, uh, you know, uh, some of the other issues, whether it be the school or uh, local business mm-hmm. or how the town's going to move forward. I think yeah. all of the, obviously, all of that stuff is important. Yeah. Um, and it'll be, but I, we can't, <laughs> we can't least, lose sight of some We of can't lose elements. sight of the, you know, the road has got to be yeah. uh, rebuilt or the culvert has got to be replaced, you know, um, so I've the majority of my professional career has been in a technical support role of some variety or another. And I can highly sympathize with the idea that when you're doing your job right, nobody notices. It's only when you're failing at your job that it stands out and and things start to fall apart at the seams. So and I, I definitely think that there is not enough consideration paid to that element of the select board of there's a basic level of things that need to be done to allow for the general day to day function of our residents and the infrastructure that exists and the awareness of grants and what needs to be pursued and followed up on on a regular basis. Uh, if they weren't doing that, my God, would be in, in a shit show. But they are. So we're afforded the luxury of being able to dedicate three separate select board meetings to something like the Declaration of Inclusion. Yeah. And I'm not diminishing that by any stretch, but we have that luxury where we don't have to worry about things falling apart, where we can't even think about these these loftier ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. We need both, right? We do, absolutely and, need and both. And we don't... We don't want to have the mundane, you know, yeah, they can do culverts, but they can't do, you know. Yeah. But we also don't want to go too far in the other direction Mm -hmm. where, you know, everybody's, you know, talking about climate change, but nobody's (laughs) fixing the pothole. Yeah, but everybody's having to zoom in because nobody can drive to town hall because there's no roads to begin with. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. Here's your hat, Tony. Yeah, it's getting late. I want to thank listeners for spending some time with us here on the Nightmail Podcast. I'm Tony. He's Jerry. You can email us at nightmailpod at gmail.com or you can write us a note, postcard, or letter. 
addresses to night mail, then put it in the little free library that sits in the front yard of the town library. No stamp required. Sleep tight, friends. We'll get together a little farther down the line. <laughs>